We're going to be talking about how to meet the enemy today. And um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you just a brief story here. We were taking, we took our students on a weekend camp out. This is Highway 410 going up to Chinook Pass in beautiful Washington State, the Pacific Northwest. And once you get up to the top of the pass, there's this beautiful lake, and boom, Mount Rainier just kind of sticks out there. Snow cap. Well, we, we had had a wonderful weekend. Now we're coming home, driving on this nice little mountain highway, Highway 410. When I'm looking off to the side, and I see the river, and I, there's this little road over there with a little rocks coming, you know, big boulders coming down. It must have been, what, 30 feet? I don't know. But anyway, all of a sudden, I see a car coming, and he doesn't make the curve, and he goes right off, right off down into the river. So, this verse here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to relate the story to this verse. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, let's say it, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, swalks about seeking whomever he may devour. What does that word sober mean? Alert, aware, serious, be vigilant. What does that mean? Watchful. Okay, now, this is what sober means. The word is nafel. It literally means I am calm and controlled. I have presence of mind. I have my wits about me. Now, can you see how this verse is going to relate to my story? Here I am. I've been sober all morning, and I see this car going off the cliff. And I go, quick! We, <laughs> I said, the car just went off the cliff! And, and we drove into that. I said, drive into that campground over there. We've got to get some help. And I'm just like freaking out, thinking this guy's going to die. I drive up this one campsite, and I go, call 9 quick! And like, what? Nine what? So then we find somebody else, and, and anyway, find out the guy didn't get hurt, crawled out of his car, and you know, I'm just like, oh, and my daughter and my niece were in the back seat, and as we're driving, I said this, stay in the car. It's like, okay. <laughs> NAFO means to be calm. You have your wits about you and presence of mind. So, when we have to meet the enemy, we have to have a presence of mind. We have to have our wits about us. And for some of us, that's going to take some work. Because we have filled this mind, some of us have more years than others, with a bunch of garbage that has to be replaced. You can say, just get it out of your mind. That's all good, but you've got to replace it. And what do we replace it with? Word Scripture, the Word of God. Now, I have a hard time memorizing anymore because I'm past the age of 30. So, but is it impossible? No. What does it take? Perseverance, being vigilant, right? Okay. So now, here we have, confirm, oh, here we go. I'm, I have some marching orders for you today. This is, this is authority now. It says, confirm and establish them in the faith and educate them like well-drilled soldiers how to meet the enemy's attacks 
and vanquish them. Them. Him. Him. So that's what we have to do. So I thought, when I read that, I thought, how do we do that? Well, through Bible study and prayer, we, got, so we have some ideas here for you. Now, Steps to Christ, page 71, says this. When the mind dwells upon self, it is turned away from Christ, the source of strength and life. We dwell too much upon self. In what ways? How are we dwelling upon self? What do I look like? How do I dress? What else? Ruth? How you feel? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Trying to be perfect. Yeah. Worrying about making a mistake. And we worry about our salvation, too. What if I'm not saved? We, sometimes, we've been in so many circles where people do not have assurance of salvation. Somehow they've gotten the idea in their mind that if I say, or if I have assurance that I have salvation in Christ Jesus, that I am self-righteous. God wants us to have assurance of salvation. He does not want us to doubt his love, nor his power to save. So we need to focus on some other things. Hence, it is Satan's constant effort, Ruth said, to keep the attention from the Savior and thus prevent the union and communion of the soul with Christ. Why is it that we don't take time for Bible study, meditation, and prayer? Because there are things out here that are coming in to distract us from that union and communion with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying this to put any kind of complex on anybody. But I know this for sure. If we don't take the time to be diligent students of the scriptures, we will be overcome by the enemy. Okay? We will be overtaken by those temptations. We're going to talk about temptation and how you can be victorious over it today. So how does he do this? The pleasures of the world life's cares, perplexities, and sorrows, the faults of others, our own faults and imperfection. By separating us from Christ, he hopes to gain the victory. Notice it doesn't say he has gained the victory, but that he hopes to gain the victory. So temptation and sin, where does it begin? Uh, I add something that goes right along with that statement. But it, it talks about making self a center, worrying about our salvation, this is in Steps of Christ, page 72. It's right up here. Oh. Don't make self the center and indulge anxiety and fear as to whether you shall be saved. Okay, that's not our job. We're to trust in Jesus Christ. We keep paying the price, okay? All this turns the soul away from the source of strength. Commit the keeping of your soul to God. Trust in Him. And here's the key. Talk and think of Jesus. Talk and think of Jesus. Okay. Where does temptation begin? It, uh, in the mind. James 1, 14 and 15 says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away in his own lusts and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Something that was struck me about that text uh, is that the devil never even mentioned in there. No. I mean, everybody's like, well, he's, he's our worst enemy. He's our, he's, 
our worst enemies ourselves. Yeah. He's the helper. He's the antagonizer, the one that always kind of jabs and, yeah. But our own lusts, our own desires, because remember, there have been so many, from the time we were born, I mean, we just raised, and we have all this stuff, and, and we have habits that we've developed over the years, and so all of these things can work against us. They can work for us, they can be good habits, or they can work against us. This one here, Mind, Mind Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 432. It says, There are thoughts and feelings suggested and aroused by Satan that annoy even the best of men. There are suggestions. But if they are not cherished, if they are repulsed as hateful, the soul is not contaminated with guilt and no other is defiled by their influence. Now, I, I, I hear from people, I sin continually. I'm always sinning. Is this a true statement? Some of you say yes, some of you say no. A temptation, a thought in your head is not sin. Are you with me? Yes. A thought that comes in is not sin. You have not sinned because that thought is suggested to you. What does it say? That thoughts and feelings annoy even the best of men. Even our conference president. Even Paul. Even David. Even all of these men. But, it says... If they are not cherished, that's the key. We're going to get into what do you do with your thoughts. Do you just let them run wild and just say, oh, that's just the way it is? So how can I tell when I'm being tempted? Michelle, you, you mentioned something uh, a couple days ago, the statement that Jesus said that he always separates us from sin, and then you said that um, he gives us the Holy Spirit to keep us from sin. So if we're sinning all the time, then we're ignoring the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. But then there's another statement that goes along with that that I wanted to see yesterday. But it says, the enemy will su suggest that the Lord will not keep you from sinning. Okay, that's Satan's thing. He will not keep you from sinning. You're going to sin your way into heaven. Well, that's him. God says, I'm going to keep you from falling. I can keep you from sinning. Yeah. Okay. We're going to feel the pull of the flesh. Anybody felt that in your experience? You know what it feels like? Okay. So anybody ever do a tug of war? Yeah? Okay. What's, what end do you want to be on? The winning or the defeated side? The winning side. So as you're pulling, that, as you're pulling on that tug here, the pull of the flesh, you're going to say, you're not the boss of me anymore. You don't give in to it. But in the strength of Jesus, you're victorious, you see? It's not me doing it. It's him doing it through me. Okay, so the pull of the flesh. Every person will feel the promptings of sin. Temptations from without find an answering cord within. Okay? So there are certain things that are are answering chords within my heart that are not in his heart. Certain things like music. I go into a store, and if there's a certain 
I can even for the first couple of notes of that song, it's going to click. I know that song. And then I want to start to react to the song like I used to react. Okay? Am I being tempted to go back there? What do I need to do? I need to choose who I'm going to serve. So I send up, God help me here because I'm weak. This is my absolute favorite song. And he gives me the strength and the power to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Upward look. This is a devotional book, page 90. Temptation is resisted when man is powerfully influenced to do a wrong action and knowing that he can do it, resists by faith with a firm hand upon divine power. Unless there is a possibility of yielding, temptation is not temptation. There is no possibility of me yielding to the Marlboro man. There's no possibility of me yielding to liquor. I don't have a weakness there. That's not an answering cord of mine, like it would be for him. But there are other things, like insecurities. It's an answering cord. Sometimes those thoughts come in that are... That are um, putting myself down. Those are things I also must choose. Okay? The flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. So the first indication that you have the pull of the flesh is what? How are you going to know that you're experiencing the pull of the flesh? There's going to be a warring going on. I want this, but I shouldn't. I want to say this, but I know it's going to be hurtful. You see, there's going to be this warring of the flesh and the spirit, an internal struggle. The Great Controversy, page 88, says the Christian will feel the promptings of sin, but he must maintain a constant warfare against it. Here is where Christ's help is needed. Human weakness becomes united to divine strength, and faith exclaims, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. The Christian experience, this walk, I'm, I'm a visual person, this walk in holiness, this walk in sanctification is one victory after another. One of these hurdles may trip you up and you may fall. That doesn't mean that you're not, that you're kicked off of your line of sanctification. No, you get up. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. You shall receive power, it's another devotional, page 356. In temptation, inclination must be overruled by reason. How many of you are, pa are parents in here? You are the reason. Your children are the impulses, the inclinations. You be the parent. Does that make sense? Inclination, our natural inclination, must be overruled now by reason. We call it the, 
the lower passions, we call it the higher passions. Who controls the mind now? Jesus controls the mind. The Holy Spirit controls the mind. The scriptures are in your mind. So when you are in this temptation, all of that must overrule how I feel and how I want to react. Now, it's a constant warfare. It's not a one-time fits all. A constant warfare. I have to continually war against my temper. I'm not saying it loud because it's recorded. Okay? I have to constantly war against it. It's like it comes up so quickly. Here's your homework assignment. I want you guys to experience the pull of the flesh for the next 24 hours. I want you to be aware of the pull of the flesh. Now, it doesn't have to be necessarily a temptation. It's just going to be you deny yourself some little pleasure today. Now, some of you may say, I don't have a problem. I'm not going to go to the mobile kitchen and get one of those coconut bliss bars. <laughs> but if that's one of your things, deny yourself that. Saying no to the flesh. If, it's, if you're having potatoes or Sam's chicken in the cafeteria, Deny yourself Sam's chicken and eat salad. Say no to the flesh. Just experience what it's like. Are you going to tell the chicken story? I am. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what if I am surprised or deceived into sin? Does that happen? Yes. Now, I want to say something here. This is, this is very, very important for us to understand. There is deliberate sin where you choose to disregard the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, don't go there. And there's this other where you're just walking along and you fall. Okay, there's a difference. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, stay away from that, don't go there, remember, and all these verses are coming in, but I'm thinking, you know what? I think I'm just going to do it anyway. That is called transgression. You have stepped across the line. It is iniquity because you have, with your mind, decided to rebel against God. And it is sin because to do right and not do it, to know to do right and not do it is sin. So there's a difference. So what if I am surprised or deceived? I was surprised. I went into the dress barn to get some things. I put them on layaway, and I went in to pick them up. But I didn't try anything on. So when I got home and I tried them on, some things didn't fit. So I went back, said, you know, these things didn't fit. I think I got the lady in a, a, <laughs> on the wrong day. I don't know. She was not in a very good mood. But, you know, I went in there like, like this. Hello. You know, I, I just bought these wonderful articles of clothing, and these don't fit. No, I went in, I said, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I bought these things, and they don't fit. Can I exchange them? They were on layaway. Sorry. So I'm like, what? You know, so this, this reaction, like, what do you mean I can't exchange these? What do you mean I can't get a refund? Sorry, that's our policy. So I just, this 
this sensation we talked about where David says it is just like comes in. I think I've got the scripture on here. And then it, it builds up and builds up. And then I spake with my tongue. And I got so angry with that woman because she would not give the customer what's due the customer. And I threw my things. Now, I'm a Christian. I am a born-again Christian. But I threw my stuff on the counter, and I said, I'll never shop here again. And I stormed out, and I pushed those doors so that they slammed, and my face is hot. I used to fight my brothers like this. You know, just coming at them, you know. And he's, he looked at me and says, what happened to you? <laughs> but I was just like, and then it's like this conviction. Why did I act like that? I told you about my struggle re with resentment, right? But the Lord says, you know, you think you're pretty calm, but you've got a pretty bad temper. No, I don't. I've never had a temper. Yes, you do. Accept it. Come on, let's get over this hurdle together. Okay, so I knew what I had to do. What did I have to do? Go back and tell her that I did not, re I didn't go back and say, I'm sorry. I said, I apologize. I did not represent Christ to you. I have received Christ in my heart, and I did not represent him to you. I failed him before you. That's worse than saying, I'm sorry, I blew it. You know what I mean? Sometimes we have to, whose face did I slap? His. And I had to apologize to her because I wounded him. Sometimes we have, we have to do that. Our high calling, here's the good news, page 49. If through manifold temptations we are surprised or deceived into sin, he does not leave us to perish. I was, I was surprised. My body, my physical reaction took over. I was at a point where I could not even hear the Spirit saying, come out. But like I told you yesterday, sometimes he will allow you to see yourself so that he can help you with your problem. Okay? No. Oh, no, I'm, I'm reading. I'm not saying no, no. No, that is not our Savior. He was tempted in all points like as we are. And having been tempted, he knows how to succor those who are tempted. To those who are tempted. I got it. Is that, you got that? I Never mind. Okay. <laughs> if you make failures and are betrayed into sin, do not feel like you cannot pray, but seek the Lord more earnestly. The blood of Jesus is pleading with power, and I always have a problem with that word, but it means worth. Efficacy for those who are backslidden, for those who are rebellious, for those who sin against great light and love, and some of those are your children right? But the blood of Jesus is pleading with power for that. She said, for those of you who may not have heard it, that if we could look at everybody as Jesus sees them, then we have more of a tendency to treat them. Well, you see Jesus in 
Oh, if we see Jesus in them, because Jesus is in each one of us, because Jesus is in us, then we'll be able to love like him. Then we'll be able to love like him because we see him. Right. Same continues on. Satan stands at our right hand to accuse us, and our advocate stands at God's right hand to plead for us. Now, I looked this up. Standing at God's right hand refers to Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his mediatorial role. Did you catch that? And he is of equal position, honor, power, and authority with God. Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father means he is mediating for us. If he is sitting, it's different. He is in judgment. Okay? So he is not in judgment here. He's in mediation for us. It's good news. He has never lost a case that has been committed to him. Amen? Second manuscript releases, page 344. There you go. To those who are tempted, I would say, do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptations as being in harmony with your own mind. Okay? Because we're, we're living for Christ now. Turn from them as you would turn from the adversary himself. Satan's work is to discourage the soul. Christ's work is to inspire the heart with faith and hope. Satan seeks to unsettle our confidence. He tells us that our hopes are built upon false premises rather than upon the sure word of him who cannot lie. There is a controversy going on, and you are in the middle there is Christ on the right hand, Satan on the left, who accuses us, who brings up our past, who can find every, you know how it is in politics when they're having an election, every dirty piece of laundry comes out. And that's what Satan does. But Christ is on the right hand. He's mediating for us. He keeps record too. So when you have messed up and you have repented and you've confessed and you're going back in his direction... He writes it down. It's covered by blood. You are cleansed. You are forgiven. So Satan has nothing to accuse you to him before. Before him. Do you get that? We have, it's, between, it's between those two and we're stuck in the middle. We just have to choose who we're going to have defend us. And that is Jesus. So, when are you the most susceptible? Here's, I'm going to run through these here. So, number one, when you are irritable. Isn't it true that when you're already in a bad mood, you are more susceptible to falling? You are an easy prey for the devil. <laughs> she got up too early or she went to bed too late, and I know that face. So I'm just going to annoy her today and cause her to trip up. So watch, when you're irritable, that's when you need extra grace. When you're hungry, right? I get this low blood sugar thing when I'm hungry, and I, I'm really irritable when I'm hungry. So this is the chicken story. I was doing some work for the school where we worked. I had a lot of errands to run. I'm by myself, 
And so I went to this buffet restaurant. I thought, I'm just going to get some lunch here. I'm going to go find a quiet table, and I'm going to sit down, eat it without interruption, and then do some work, right? So I get into this buffet. It was Granny's buffet. And I go over to the lovely salad bar, all this color and, and the spinach and, you know, all this wonderful stuff. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go over to the steam table now and get me some steamed carrots because I love steamed carrots and broccoli and maybe stab a potato or something. I don't know. So I'm over there. And all of a sudden, there's this aroma that has come. And it's like grabbed my nose and pulled me over to its direction. It's a very familiar aroma, one that has an answering chord within. Now, disclaimer, it was chicken, okay? It was, okay. So I find myself wandering over in this direction. And it was the kind of chicken that was crispy on the outside. And I hear this voice saying, go ahead, Jody. You know how you used to like it. Nobody knows that you've chosen to be a vegetarian. You're all alone in this place. Go ahead, grab that fork, and spear a nice big piece of that chicken and put it on your plate. So I'm, I'm like, is, what's going on here? And I find myself picking up the fork to do it. Now, the Bible says you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way Waki in it. So I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering. It's like Eve wandering up at the tree and, and like, what is happening? I don't get this. Who are you listening to? The serpent. I put that fork down and I got away from the situation and I was just like sweating. I thought, whoa. Now, that may seem like a really silly temptation. Would it have been, is it sin to eat chicken? Yes or no? No. Would it have been sin for me to eat the chicken? Where would the sin have been? In listening to the voice of the serpent. The moment I would have taken that chicken and put it on my plate, I have listened to the serpent and I have chosen him as my master. Are you with me? The pull of the flesh. There was that answering cord within to go back to my old ways. Now, I could have repented afterwards and I would have been fine with God. But I'm talking about being aware, being sober, being vigilant, and in no uncertain terms, obeying the voice of the serpent, no matter how little the temptation or silly it may appear. When you're tired, oh man, you know what they do to prisoners in war camps, right? Sleep deprivation, because it breaks them down. So when you're tired, that's why it's important to keep good track of your health. When you're lonely, are we susceptible when we're lonely? Yes. When you're idle, what does the Bible say? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. When you have spiritual confidence, is it true? I mean, if you have spiritual confidence, what does the scripture say? Let him who thinks he stands, 
take heed lest he fall. The deceptions that come upon the world at the close of time are going to be so strong that if it were possible, could deceive even the very elect. The very elect. And only those who are diligent students of the scriptures will be shielded by the overpowering, overmastering deceptions of the devil. Yeah, I notice in scripture uh, that whenever Jesus uh, would perform his miracles, uh, and let people 5,000 uh, and everything, he would, after he, whenever he would do something spectacular like that, he would go off by himself uh, into a solitary place and pray. Yeah. And it's like, and I was, I'm, right now I'm trying to, I bought this book about the life of the biography of C.D. Brooks. Mm. And uh, I was just reading it and uh, just think, and it's talking about all the miracles that happened during his ministry. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, I, I, you have to be really a man of prayer in order to, to do that much and be that much used by God mm -hmm. uh, and not get full of yourself. Mm. Yeah, because the prayer, Mrs. White prayed for God to humble, keep me humble. And he did. And he will for us too. So another, when you're not watching, when is it that you that you trip over something? When you're not paying attention. Pay attention. Doesn't the scripture say to watch and pray? When you're under stress. Now this is actually my laundry basket. When you have too much to do, you're under stress. We get like this, I mean, in our home. It's just the two of us. But sometimes we have a lot of stuff going on, and I carry a lot of stress. I'm under a lot of stress, especially preparing for seminars or whatever we're doing. And so I am more susceptible to falling during that time, getting impatient with him or speaking something or feeling like I'm the only one. You know what I mean? So when you're under stress, make sure you take time to breathe, go for a walk, Get away from the situation. How do I meet the enemy? Here, you got this. Is how you guys, why you're here today, you want to know. You shall receive power, page 356. When temptation comes upon us, we need spiritual discernment that we may detect the Satan's agency and do what? Cling to Jesus. Every moment is necessary to fight the good fight of faith. For doubt must be resisted, and faith must be encouraged. James 4, 7, and 8 says this, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. So there's three parts to this. One is submit yourselves unto God. That word submit is hupotasso, which means that you are, that you are under, you submit yourself to your superior officer. It's a military term. Submit yourself to your superior officer. Hupo means under, and tasso is to arrange. So when I think of them put in, putting them together, I'm going to arrange myself, my thoughts, my feelings, I'm going to arrange themselves and submit them under my superior officer. Okay? The next one is resist the devil and flee, and he will flee from you. Now, this one here means to stand against it means to turn your back on. Resist. 
So when, when we are tempted, we must first submit to our superior officer. When we are submitting to him, we are focused in his direction, turning our back, resisting the devil, and he has to flee from us. When you back up against somebody, I remember my horse would back up and everybody behind her would back up too, see? So you, you back him away, resist the devil, all right? And in this verse here, Isaiah 27, 5 says, Let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. So when you're almost ready to yield, to lose patience and self-control, to find faulty words and accuse others, then you have to pray this prayer. Help me, O God. So I'm, I'm tempted in those ways. I'm submitting to God. And when I, while I'm submitting, I'm saying, Help me, O God, to resist temptation to put all bitterness and anger and evil speaking out of my heart. Give me your patience and love. Help me to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. So what, I'm, what am I doing? I'm being tempted, fiercely tempted. If I had been fiercely, oh, I was fiercely tempted. If I had reacted in the dress barn like this, she's in my face. So if I would have just, God, help me. Put my anger aside. Take it out of my heart. Help me to be tenderhearted. Help me to find out if something is bothering her today. Let me minister to her heart today. I, where do I get that strength? How can I get it from him if I'm facing the devil and trying to resist on my own power? It doesn't work. Third part, draw nigh to God. And I love this. And he will draw nigh to you. This means to long for his presence. Now, I remember when our daughter was very young, often, almost every night, she would slip out of her crib, and I would feel a little touch on my cheek, and these sweet little words would say, Mommy, can I lay with you? So what do you do? Flip open the blankets, the little one crawls in, and you're just snuggled up. That's what it means, draw nigh to God. It means that you want to be in his presence. You want that security to enfold you. You just want to linger in his presence for a while. Draw nigh to God, and he will open up those covers and draw nigh to you. Don't you love it? The Bible says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Watch and pray. This word watch means to have alertness of a guard at night. In the military, they have night guards. At night, it's difficult to see the enemy approaching. The enemy is hiding, lurking. But you're to watch. During the daytime, danger is easier to see. And pray. What do we watch against? Right. Those answering cords. Luke 21:34 this is off the amplified bible be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with self-indulgence and the worldly worries or distractions of life and that that day will not come upon you like a trap i thought that was pretty clear okay in order to keep watch we have to pray for endurance. Those soldiers who are out there, sometimes they have to be out there all night. They need endurance to be able to do that. And it is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So how did somebody tell me how you live by the word of God? How do you live? Okay, but in a, in a situation where you're tempted, Jesus, Jesus met the devil with it is written. How do you live by the word of God? Okay, so what do I do when I'm tempted to go back to my feelings of worthlessness, my insecurities? How do I, how do I live by the word of God here? I remind him who I am, right? Before you were born, I knew you, and I called you by your name. You are mine, says the Lord. So when I'm feeling like that, no, that's not who I am. I belong to him. What about when you're tempted to speak evil of another? Someone says, James, okay, <laughs> I used Ephesians. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen or hear it. Okay, what about when you're tempted to look upon something impure or something that's untrue, to listen to those, those rumors? What's that, Betty? Okay, this one here in Psalm 101, verse 3, it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. You may be tempted to go home. after Now, after camp meeting, you guys are on your own. You don't have this nice week where you're in a spiritual atmosphere constantly with all the meetings and the music and the fellowship. You're on your own. So when you go back to your home and maybe you have habits on the programs that you've been watching on your television, you're going to be tempted to go back and turn those on. What if it's NCIS? I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Evil stuff, yeah. right? I know nobody here is there, right? Impure, violent things. When he makes you feel guilty and ashamed, how do you fight back with Scripture? 1 John 3.20 For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. How can I keep from falling? Now, the next couple verses are not on your outline, so the key is to understand that he can keep you from falling. Jude 24, my husband's favorite. Now unto him who is able... Let's read this together. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy. Who is that? Who is the him? To keep you from falling and to present you faultless, faultless, before his throne with exceeding joy. It is his exceeding joy to do that. He is able. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. 2 Peter 2.9. So he is able. What is your part? You have a power of choice. You must choose who you're going to serve. Recognize that it's a temptation and choose which way you're going to go. God has given to men the power of choice. It is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections, but you can choose to serve him. You can give him your will. Don't you love it when your child submits to you? Your child gives up his or her stubborn will to you, and the effect is the best, you can give him your will. He will work in you to will and do according to his good pleasure. 
It's when I submit to him, I don't feel like it, Lord, but I'm going to do it anyway because I want to do your will. And when we do that, and he works in us, then what he's asking us to do is our joy to do. Okay? When he wants us to go a separate way, it's our joy to do that. Choose you today who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Number two, you need to consecrate yourself to him. Steps to Christ, page 70, says, Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your best, best, first Work. Don't start your day until you have done this. If you're not in the habit of doing it, and by the way, it has to become habitual, then do it whenever it comes to your mind. The Lord will say, consecrate to me. Consecrate to me. Let your prayer be, take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a one-time matter, daily matter. Each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God. And thus, your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. Remember, this work of sanctification is to restore in fallen man the image of God. We do it by working together with him, by submitting our will to him, by consecrating our life to him. So as we do that day by day, guess what happens? Our life is being molded more and more after his. Number three, trust him to keep you. And my favorite text, 2 Timothy 1.12, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And number four, fix the word in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 11. Number five, watch for temptation triggers. Hebrews 12.1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset or trip us up. Some of us are holding on to our little darlings. Notice I didn't say little Debbies. Our little darlings. <laughs> Those little things that we don't consider to be grave enough to submit to him. We think it's of no importance, no great importance, and surely it can't keep me out of the kingdom, Right? Ask him, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. If you are serious about this fitness for the kingdom of God, if your desire is to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever, let me tell you, it's not a matter of being a church member that gets you there. It's a matter of, God, change my life. Strip me from everything that's going to keep me from the kingdom. And that's painful. That's dying to self, crucifying the old man. I don't want the old man anymore. Number six, don't give Satan a foothold. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. If you're a former alcoholic, don't go into the bar to win a soul. You understand? Make no provision for the flesh. 
Get rid of your computer if you can't handle it. For me, it's dancing and music and clothes and all of this stuff. And, and you know, so I have, to, I have to choose what life I want now. And the one I have is so much better than it was before. Number seven, you must get away from the temptation. We talked about this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation... What's he going to do? Make a way of escape. Come on, let's go here. That you may be able to bear it. And he says, come my people, enter your chambers and shut the doors behind you. Sometime you have to get away, go into your closet and shut that door and pray and pray until the indignation has passed. I'm telling you that it's a constant warfare. Number eight, remain steadfast and immovable. Galatians 5.1, stand fast in the liberty you have received and don't become entangled in your old ways. There's a song that says, um, I've been through the water and I've come out clean. I've got new clothes to cover me. And you don't put your old shoes on your brand new feet when you've been through the water. Now, doesn't that make sense? Don't go back. Don't let those, sometimes our friends have to change. Even our circle of friends in the church might need to change so that you are free to let Christ lead you. Number nine, regular church attendance. Oh, I cannot emphasize this enough. We're so, it's so easy just to stay home and watch 3ABN or the Hope Channel or listen to Strong Tower Radio. We need one another. We need one another. You need to hear the testimonies of those brothers and sisters in the church, and you need to share what God's been doing in your life. And if you have a burden, you need to find that prayer partner and pray together. Forsake not, Paul says, the assembling of ourselves together. But here, so much more as you see the day approaching. I'm talking Sabbath school and church and prayer meeting and Vespers if they have it and socials. We need it. God instituted it that way. Number 10, by the blood and the testimony. They overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We talked a little bit about that the other day. So what if I fall? Okay, here we go. Taco Bell, I fell there. We'll just move on. (laughs) No, I, I don't like eating in the car. And my brother had a musical program in Seattle. We were living close by didn't have time to have dinner at home so we pull in a Taco Bell and I say to my husband in the sweetest way possible honey can we please eat inside no we don't have time so we order our food and you know ladies you're in the passenger seat the driver hands you everything and you dole out the food right my daughter was in the back my brother so I have everything and I'm passing it around he goes (laughs) he tries out you get out to the road, and it's a busy, busy, it's 320 there in Federal Way, Washington. He finds this opening. I had just put my beverage up on the dashboard. He pulls out, and in slow motion, I see this going, ah, down my clothes, into my shoes, and I reacted, and I punched him. I said, I hate eating in the car. So... 
All right, what if you fall? So I had to apologize to him. Testimonies 7, vault page, <laughs> Testimonies volume 7. <laughs> page 17. Remember I said I have this temper? God hadn't revealed it to me then. <laughs> Nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness and relies wholly on the merits of the Savior. God would send every angel in heaven to come to your aid rather than see you fall. I believe those angels are right there. Kept me from doing worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so number one, remember, if you make a mistake, come to Jesus. Right? We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes. But we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken and rejected of God. No, Christ is at the right hand. He is standing at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. That's Steps to Christ, page 64. Turn your feet into, into yeah, turn your defeat into victory. Remember this, if you make mistakes, you certainly gain a victory if you see these mistakes and regard them as beacons of warning. Thus you turn defeat into victory, disappointing the enemy and honoring your Redeemer. He's never done that again. You turn that defeat into victory. But I haven't, have I? I haven't punched you again. No, <laughs> Number two, remember there is forgiveness. Psalm 130, verse 4. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. The you is God. Do you make mistakes? The Lord may permit you to make small mistakes in order to save you from making larger mistakes. Go to Jesus and ask him to forgive you and then believe that he does. In heavenly places, page 124. Number three, remember, do not get discouraged. None need abandon themselves to discouragement and despair. Satan may come to you with the cruel suggestion, yours is a hopeless case, but you and you are irredeemable. You've done too many bad things, just forget it. But there is hope for you in Christ. Remember, it's all in Christ, for Christ, by Christ. You go back and you read Colossians and Ephesians, you're going to mark that how often it says, in Christ, for Christ, by Christ, through Christ. God does not bid us overcome in our own strength. Is overcoming important? Yes. Is it a prerequisite for entering the kingdom of heaven? How many of you believe that? Revelation says, to him who overcomes, I will give. Overcoming is not about you. It's about him. It's about his strength, his power, united to your weakness. That's where overcoming comes in. He asks us to come close to his side. Remember, we have to submit and draw nigh, and he will come nigh to us. Whatever difficulties we labor under, which weigh down soul and body, he waits to make us free. That's the ministry of healing, page 249. It's on your outline there. Number four, get back up, you horse people. The pen of inspiration records the sins that overcame men like Noah, Abraham, David, and Solomon, Peter's denial of Christ, the sharp contention of Paul and Barnabas, the failings and infirmities of the prophets and apostles, all are laid bare. 
But seeing where they struggled and fell, where they took heart again and conquered through the grace of God, we are encouraged and led to press over the obstacles that degenerate nature places in our way. Christ, that's conflict and courage, page 368. Number five, remember you have an advocate. That word for advocate is also used for the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Advocate, our friend, the one who pleads for us. If any man, the paracletus, right? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the Holy Spirit. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, and I put my name there. But I have prayed for you that your faith fails not. That's Jesus mediating for us. I've prayed for you that your faith fail not, he says. And number six, remember, Satan has been defeated. Ezekiel 27, 36 says, Never shalt thou be any more. He says, never are you going to annoy my children. Never are you going to bother them. Never are you going to cause pain or sickness or death. Never, ever, ever again. My children are going to live in a place without you there. He's got your back. He's watching over you. And he has the power to keep you from falling. No one should leave here discouraged. Okay. Our hope is in Jesus. Remember that. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven shared a lot today, a lot of information. I pray, dear God, that we'll apply these principles to our life and then get up and walk. Walk with you. Walk in the light as you're in the light. Please bless personally each person here in this room. Bless them with your Holy Spirit. They'll hear that still small voice saying, this is the way walking in it. You'll keep them from falling like you promised you would, Lord. We love these people. These are family now. And ask that you'd bless us the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.